Hi Hokies and welcome to another episode of Careers for Engineers, the show where we interview amazing Hokie engineering alumni and get all the deets on how they got to where they are. I'm Megan Reese. And I'm Nikki Hazuda. Today we've got Megan Bennett, an advanced electrical engineer at Platform Aerospace. Megan has her bachelor's in electrical engineering from Virginia Tech with a focus in controls, robotics, and autonomy. During her time at Tech, she was a NASA-grade soldering instructor, instructor and participated in Students on Capitol Hill, where she helped to advocate for space policies. Welcome, Megan. Thank you so much for having me. I am definitely feeling a little left out in the room today, being the only non-Megan. Um, <laughs> but my, my name starts with an N, so at close least Close enough, I'm, close um, enough. Um, call me Negan, I guess. <laughs> so to start off today's episode, Megan, why don't you tell us a little bit more about Platform Aerospace, what you do there as an electrical engineer, and what's the crossover between electrical and aerospace? Yeah, that's a, a great intro question. Um, so like we mentioned right before we hit record, uh, I've been at Platform Aerospace since I graduated, so a little after, you know, the summer of 2020. So I've been there and seen this experimental aircraft because Platform Aerospace primarily does aircraft modification and the development and R&D of this experimental drone called Vanilla UAS. Uh, so at Platform Aerospace, my role is to make sure that any electron that needs to get anywhere gets there safely and gets there reliably. Uh, so <laughs> it sounds like your little electron babysitter and I'm like, but that, but they're like invisible particles. So it's yeah. just such a, Wrangler, electron tickler, my, my, <laughs> <laughs> that's and, good. Yeah. Yeah. So there I see that any modification that they want on the aircraft, like for example, like right now we're actually flying in Greenland, uh, with NASA for a climate science project. Mm -hmm. So we're measuring the thickness of the ice. Oh, okay. So obviously the aircraft that now is world record holding officially recognized, which is awesome. So we fly unrefueled for eight days and eight hours and 53 minutes or something crazy. Wow. <laughs> but it's all combustion engine as well. Like this is no solar. You just put jet fuel in it at the beginning of a week and then let it fly for the entire duration. That does feel completely unheard of to me. Yeah, well, we 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 smashed the record by about five days, and so wow. we're hoping to continue to hold that and improve it. We think we can get to up to three weeks if we do incorporate solar, but for now, we're comfy with eight days, so <laughs> we'll just go with that. Good enough. Um, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So, yeah, at Platform Airspace, one of my most primary roles is to say, okay, we have customers like John Hopkins Applied Physics Lab, we have customers like NASA that come in and say, hey, we would like this technology on your aircraft. We go, okay, how much power do you need? What sensors do you need? How do you need to interface with our systems? And then we make it happen. Um, yeah, and a lot of the aerospace incorporation that too is you have aerospace engineers that will do all of the fluid dynamics and do all of the structural analysis and make sure that what you can fly isn't just like a TV antenna on the cone <laughs> on the nose, but it's really interesting because most of what we do, we do in-house. Like even the carbon fire layout, That's we amazing. do in-house. So the shell, it's really interesting electrically too, because carbon fiber is just resistive enough that it causes problems and just conductive enough that it causes more problems. <laughs> so you can't just like ground it like you would a normal aircraft. So 
it's the super sleek carbon fiber frame. Um, I won't mention what it looks like on this podcast. Are we touching IP at this point? <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> Sperm, just like a big old. <laughs> That's fine. Just a big old I tail. think teenagers know what that word is. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> head and a very long tail. For those. Yeah, it's a very aerodynamic shape. <laughs> Super aerodynamic shape. I mean, there's nothing crazy about this aircraft, but what we do, we've just refined so much that it is significant now. <laughs> That's awesome. So let's think way back to baby Megan or teenage Megan. Uh, what inspired you to pursue engineering specifically and especially electrical engineering? You know, did you have any special influences or mentors along the way? It's a great question. I would say that uh, baby Megan was too busy, you know, eating mulch with their sibling. So as we do, that, <laughs> that's not necessarily like what you would imagine electrical engineers origin story looks like. But as I got into high school, my chemistry teacher actually, who taught the after school robotics program was like, Hey, you should join this bring more girls if you if you have friends that want to join it too. And I was like, Okay, I'll join it. But like, I don't know if I have any friends that I'm willing to jump off the deep end with at the yeah. moment. And so joined my junior year. So this was like 16-ish year old Megan and fell in love with it. I was falsely told that electrical engineering would have the most 3D printing because I was like, oh, I want to do more of that. Who like, told you that? <laughs> my, my chemistry teacher. So Bless. Okay. Yeah. I mean, his PhD is in snake science. So. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> he, he really did it as like a, an act of care for the community sure. and for, and actually it's a Blacksburg High School. So he did it out of care for Blacksburg High School. It was really fun because he really let everyone run. It was already an award-winning high school robotics team. He just let the kids break everything in sight. And so <laughs> I was lucky enough to be one of those kids that got to break things, but on the electrical side. <laughs> um, I noticed that you graduated from Virginia Tech in 2020. And I just wanted to know, I mean, I was in high school in 2020 and my junior year, like that being all online, I had no idea what I was going to do in college. I can't imagine like post-grad 2020, like how was that experience? What did you do? Anything did you learned about yourself or your career field? That's a great question. So yeah, the, the height of pandemic. So when I'd like to describe it as when people were looking for toilet papers, when I was getting ready to graduate with my undergrad degree and I did a co-op. So I, I was like, oh man, was that fifth year worth it? <laughs> <laughs> Obviously it was, but at the time, it was weirdly isolating, although it had so many people that like peers that I would not have normally had this connection with. So my immediate response, and it was it was actually crazy because I had like six phase two interviews just cut short because wow. I didn't have a job in the fall semester. I actually traveled abroad with uh, Professor Leoness out of the mechanical engineering department. Uh, studying bats and Brunei and building this technology to survey them. So I was getting back from Southeast Asia, like the first week of school that year. <laughs> and I didn't have like all my ducks in a row for falls, you know, career fair, but I knew that I had done enough extracurriculars and I felt comfortable enough with my GPA. That I was like, all right, I'll just keep the networking I've been doing going. And then in spring I'll be super ready. So didn't feel like there was high consequence at the time, but as I was graduating, like all these, you know, companies like Collins Aerospace, SpaceX, like they just were like, mm, 
not right now. Yeah. So. Okay. Great. Um. So I did what any sane person would do and went on a road trip with my soon or quickly adopted puppy. <laughs> uh, and actually, even with my Virginia Tech electrical engineering degree, ended up being an Uber Eats driver in Utah. I just, I picked the cheapest Airbnb and drove until I didn't feel like driving or didn't have enough couches of friends to crash on yeah. and spent like just shy of eight weeks out there driving for Uber Eats with this puppy that I thought was going to be a family dog, but wasn't super compatible with it. So new puppy drove across the country. I was applying to jobs. I actually found one of my best mentors while sitting in that Airbnb, you know, living room. Oh my goodness. Wow. Dr. Wood of MIT media lab. So mm -hmm. got a virtual cup of coffee with her and the rest is kind of history in terms of that relationship. But yeah, I found myself in this super weird, like you felt like you're just like <laughs> dumped behind like the nearest like building. You're like, huh? Like, <laughs> do I do? But I don't know. It really, I think it really challenged me to not take for granted all the experiences I had mm -hmm. and also like just be super humbled. Like I felt so lucky that I got a job three months after I graduated in that state. Like I had a lot of friends who, who got that fall offer and they honored that onboarding, but I had even more friends that was like nine months out. They had some mm -hmm. of the best engineering degrees in the world and they were like, yeah. yep, no jobs. And it was, it was, it was hard. It was hard from a peer perspective. It was hard from a job acquisition and then going to an employer, you know, while you're all wearing masks and saying, Hey, like, trust me, you want to make a lifelong investment. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's tough. Um, well, I really appreciate you sharing that because it kind of just goes to show like every experience we have, you know, leads to the next one. And you wouldn't be here without, you know, those eight weeks in Utah, like everything that you do got you to where you were. So I love that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, you mentioned this earlier, and I don't think we could go the entire podcast without talking about your team's latest triumph at Platform Aerospace, oh, yeah. Vanilla Ovs. Um, so as two definite noobs to uncrewed aircraft, hashtag also a lot of other aircraft, um, can you tell us more about this particular engineering initiative, what it was like to work on such a groundbreaking project? Um, and what are some of the biggest takeaways for you from this launch, whether that's more on a personal level or like the overall work experience, et cetera? Sure. I mean, in general, and this goes for like general aviation too. Like making things fly is a miracle. Like who, <laughs> who threw that metal box at the sky one day and really like, said, yeah. it'll, it'll stay there. <laughs> I think about that every time I'm in a plane and I'm like, I, I'm not sure what's happening right now. I mean, I know basically what's happening right now. Like my, my husband majored in aerospace. So he's like the lift and the drag and the wings. And like, I get it, but like, but do we, but do we understand yeah. that? I don't think <laughs> working on experimental aircraft is its own beast, right? Like you can work at Boeing and design systems that have been working since the sixties. Cause also FAA regulation wise, like sometimes you don't get improved, <laughs> but regardless on an experimental aircraft side, I am just so impressed perpetually by my, like the team I work with, like I am one of like a couple very green engineers like people with sub five experience years of experience mm -hmm. but shop personnel that have been 
working on aircraft since they were 17. Yeah. And so while I can do the math and also have the ability and confidence to like sign off on things if the numbers match correctly and the spelling is all correct and all those like very tedious <laughs> details yeah. that go into a lot of the design of these aircrafts, they could take a hammer, tap on something and it works. It's like, what just happened? Which so, <laughs> yeah, we went from going off of a pulley based launch bed, like two wheels, a base, driving the aircraft behind a truck until it had enough speed it either plopped or, or flew. But then one of the, the shop personnel was playing with his son's Legos, like the Duplos, and yeah. was like, huh, we could do that part better. And then had the interns at the time cat up a launch mechanism that now the how you launch this aircraft that i'm working on uh, keep in mind it's like a 30 foot wingspan you can hold the wing like in your hands like it's super thin once again very bulbous thin yeah. tail <laughs> so it's a very aerodynamic aircraft but the way we launch it is we have this autonomous system where as you drive on anything like it could be a dirt road it could be uh the, a carrier of a ship. It could be mm -hmm. an actual airfield. That's what we typically use since it's still an aircraft. <laughs> but as you drive, as soon as the aircraft says, okay, there's 50 knots of wind, it takes off. Mm -hmm. And that's a crazy concept that instead of you needing to chuck this thing like a paper airplane, you drive a truck to 60 miles an hour and it says, yep, I'm going fast enough. I have enough lift. And then it takes off. It will unlaunch itself and autonomously release and 60 miles isn't even that fast you no know? i mean we i mean we do it on like there's a private airfield on virginia tech's campus yeah so it's just that distance like it's not even like i don't even know what the equivalent of and i want to use like some american units like three tennis courts or something yes i mean i do have that number I exactly in my head exactly what a tennis court measures so i mean I have exactly I mean, five washing machines three tennis courts like <laughs> why use anything except meters but <laughs> well that sounds like such a cool project and you explain it so well you communicate it so well especially for someone like me who again doesn't know how a plane flies so <laughs> I mean, you've explained everything so well today. It's 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 fantastic. So, as I have one one question for you, as a friend to many freshmen in STEM, I'm curious to know any advice you've given. Great advice so far, but any advice you might share with first year Hokie engineers as they get their start at Virginia Tech and start focusing on a discipline. That's a really good question. Um, what advice would I give to freshman engineering students? And I feel like I was a freshman engineering yesterday. So I almost feel like some severe imposter syndrome <laughs> to advice to freshmen. But I think that one thing at Virginia Tech, being an R1 institution, is you have this incredible resource in front of you. So use it. I probably volunteered and toured, like not even spent hours and hours and hours, like, or even sought credit or sought part-time work, but if I had a spare couple hours in a week, which is a lot, but also not like, you know, two or three hours a week, my freshman year, I was so adamant about touring as many labs as I could as possible. Mm -hmm. I kept touring 
and touring, <laughs> touring. I went to biomedical engineering labs. I went to electrical engineering labs. I went to every electromechanical lab, which is how I got so interested yeah. in the humanoid side of things. And so every time I had a, huh, should I do this or that? I went to a lab that did both and then decided wow. from there, okay, this lab does awesome things. What, what side of that awesome thing do I want to do? Mm -hmm. And I think that the, I think it's called the step lab. I don't know. Once again, this was in 2015 to dox myself a little bit. Sorry so, to whoever the step lab may or may not be. <laughs> no, no, no. It's not, it's not an apology. It's, it was a biomedical lab though, where oh, they okay. were developing a fabric that goes over medical devices. So bacteria wouldn't grow as much. Oh, fascinating. So I was very interested in like, okay, why, why is this electrical and mechanical? Like what, what's going on? Cause I always knew I wanted to do electrical or mechanical, but I had this big old crisis. So I decide I you just you and every other first year student. <laughs> right? I know. So so dramatic. But <laughs> in hindsight, it, it made a lot of sense and it, it made a, it gave me a lot of comfort, even now yeah. in my career, that I feel like I made the right choice. And crazy how it just stemmed from clicking preference one versus preference two. But <laughs> yeah. regardless. <laughs> I mean, it, it totally changed the course of my career. And not to say that I couldn't do other things in the same type of projects, but the point is at this lab, they had this medical device that they would put on, uh, or medical wrapping that they put on medical devices. And the mechanical engineer would be studying the, the way that bacteria will like go in the fluid and like the drag and all these other things that I don't understand because I didn't choose that path. <laughs> but the electric engineers in that lab were actually programming bacteria by sending pulses and so they would be trained to penetrate like cancerous tumors or something like that and i was just like okay that one blows my mind i want to know yeah. more about that one and so doing that enough and once again i i'm very lucky that i started volunteering in the lab i ended up doing my senior capstone in as a high schooler but not to say that that like set me up infinitely for success like i still had to work hard to make sure i allocated that hour or two and i went to new labs after i started as a freshman mm -hmm. and so i think that finding professors that are doing great things like who would have thought that professors are people too i sense this theme oh, of like no vanity the concept. <laughs> <laughs> and i'm very extroverted so i'm sure there's some people listening that are like eh, i prefer just to like see them on a classroom class <laughs> but Email is also a great avenue if you don't want to actually mm -hmm. talk to people and you can do it from your room. Yeah. <laughs> and so I think that like listening to the questions that I had and being like, okay, I need to go find an answer. And that's its own like form of engineering in my opinion. And so touring all these labs and being like, hmm, like which, which, which thing is more interesting? It's the same mm -hmm. project, but I want to do the electrical flavor of that project. And so I found myself with little hesitation, diving right in. And I actually didn't get into the college of engineering, even though I was already working in a lab for Virginia Tech and engineering. Oops. Um, yeah, no, I, <laughs> I got into university studies and I was like, eh, I want a better chem lab time. And so I switched in the college of ag. Oh, really? Sorry, college of agriculture. I did use you as a stepping stone. Um, <laughs> so you're probably not the only one. <laughs> but yeah, so as a freshman, as the college of ag, I went to the community college to take on my foundations of engineering classes. And then they had just changed the policy. So I couldn't transfer until the end of my freshman year. Mm -hmm. So I had to maintain my GPA, take all the classes. I also, and apologies to, to people writing this, but I got into uh, RSAP 
also not in the College of Engineering. Wow. I know. <laughs> <laughs> you, were, you were destined for engineering whether you were in it or not. Yeah, whether the admissions folks at Virginia Tech decide or not, I was doing it. You were in it. And, <laughs> and I admitted to the, on the last day, I was like, oh, by the way, um, I'm not an engineering college. And they were like, how did you get into this program? I was like, add more engineering experience than the other freshmen that applied. <laughs> Oops. So take that as you will. And so even... <laughs> And this might be inspiring to some listeners that like, even when I wasn't in the college of engineering, I was still touring engineering labs. Like I, f I did not feel the need for any professor, whether it's in foundations or not to like, give me permission mm -hmm. to ask people that I admired questions. You are also right that regardless of what college you're in, our, our faculty are here for our students, like hard stop, you know, there are no like barriers to that. Um, if you are a person who is eager and, and wants to know more and, and also has, um, some capacity for it, that helps, doesn't hurt. Yeah. Um, I think our, our faculty are more than welcome to be like, yeah, who, who doesn't want to do transdisciplinary work? Like who, who is in, you know, interdisciplinary and transdisciplinary work? Like this is, that's what engineering is. So yeah. I, th and I think you just illustrate that regardless of actually ending yeah, up in college. Yeah, I'll tie it back to the... The nonprofit work too, where one of our biggest campaigns, and this is in the space industry. So once again, one of the cooler disciplines of engineering, in my opinion, is sending things to space and hoping it yeah. doesn't <laughs> crumble. There's all kinds of that, wild that's the tagline for the aerospace department: sending shit into space and hoping it doesn't crumble. <laughs> right, and you know, electromechanically, like who knew that you know the Earth's electromagnetic spear does something for us, like. Who would have thought? I didn't um, know that. Yeah. <laughs> Atmosphere, am I right? <laughs> Who would have thought? But regardless, like, something that we're so passionate about, I think that, like, having this perspective so early on has really guided me a lot, and I think that people are recognizing that. And even when I was the president of the ECE ambassador team, the former president also didn't get into engineering in their freshman year, and I was like, well, that's telling. But regardless, <laughs> like... We're so adamant that there's going to be a place for everyone in the space industry, especially the next 20 years. Like, oh boy, like you might've seen Starship, but that is a singularity. Like it is the invention of the computer. Like we don't know what's going to happen for payload space and all these other interesting space topics beyond that. And so for me, I feel like being able to look people in the eyes and saying without hesitation, like there's a place for you, whether it's in engineering or not, I think it's just so impactful to know that and also to advocate for that idea and whether you're in engineering whether you're not in engineering whether you graduate with a communications degree you graduate with a theater degree like i don't i don't know whether it's any discipline of engineering like i am so convinced that anything you want to do like the only person who has that same dream and that same passion is you so why not pursue it full force like you are the only person who has your passion like and that is something that I also learned from from going to school for chain tech. So I love it. I love it. Make, <laughs> tear, make me tear up a little. Seriously, <laughs> I love it. I love the advice. Thank you so much for your advice and your time, Megan. I I mean, I had no doubt you were going to be wonderful. As you, know, you, have this, you have the superior name. But we've loved having you on the podcast. Where can folks connect with you if they've got any questions? MIB at vc.edu is a great email to access me. Put in the tagline okay. that you're coming from here. Like, if okay. anyone does want to reach out to me, say, hey, I heard you on this podcast, and I'll read it without hesitation. But there are plenty of people that are like, oh, I don't know mm. if I want them. You're selling today. <laughs> <laughs> whether that's a new job or whatever it may right. be. <laughs> 
yeah, send me an email, meninblack at virginiatech.edu, M-I-B at B-T. It's like a six-letter email, or seven. Perfect. <laughs> Find me there. I thought you said you were good at math. Thank you for your for your generosity and sharing your email. I appreciate it. All right, everyone. That's all for us. Join us next time as we get all the details on another engineering career. And uh, maybe they won't be named Megan either. <laughs> this episode of Careers for Engineers is produced by Engineering Education at Virginia Tech. Find more information at careersforengineers.crd.co.